0: And welcome to Out of Left Field. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield. We are downtown Startville in the Farm Bureau Studios. Farm Bureau Go with a home team. Football season is here. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us. We're back for Out of Left Field for the fall version. We've kind of taken a break from this midweek show. Of course, our last midweek show on Out of Left Field was back in the spring. We were getting ready for a national championship run, and now we're back for football season, and, Charlie, man, we started the show a few years ago. What was it, the Monday cool down? The the old Monday cool down. Yeah, that
1: was our first show, wasn't
0: it? Uh, That was our first show. Little did we know that three years later, here we are. Here we are getting ready for year two of Mike Leach. And Before we go any further, we'd like to thank our friends at WFCA French Camp 107.9. It's a 100,000-watt station. They'll carry this. Each and every Wednesday night, they have college oh, junior college football on Thursday night. So we're normally on Thursday nights in the spring, but in the fall we go to Wednesday nights. So our, our thanks to our good friends at WFCA, Chuck Bentley, Jason Crowder, and all the gang over there at uh, WFCA for allowing us to take an hour of your time here on this Wednesday night. So Charlie, football season is here. Louisiana Tech, the opponent this weekend. Well, Mississippi State, year two under Mike Leach. Bulldogs won four games last year. You get ready for year two. I don't know about you, man, but three days away. I'm ready to roll.
1: Well, I'm excited for a lot of reasons. One, I'm excited because I think we'll have a better football team this season. I'm excited because I think we're going to have a more normal year. I know that numbers being what they are, we've had our issues lately, but things seem to be trending a little bit better, so I'm optimistic, particularly after – the experience we had at the World Series, that we're going to see a much more normal experience with tailgating and things like that in Starville. And look, I'm just excited as a resident of Starville to walk outside and see all these people here. I was walking through the Cotton District yesterday, and I was just thinking, how great is this going to be to have people back? You and I are going to be broadcasting from in the Cotton District this year. We'll be at Uno Moss in the pregame show over at Bulldog Burger postgame show. And we know we're going to see a ton of people. We saw people last year, but it's going to get back to normal this year. And there's so much going on at Startwall right now. It's, it's a different place than when I grew up, man.
0: It really is, and that's the thing. There are more people moving to Startwell now. The world has gotten smaller. There are so many people in the sales industry that can work from home now that are that are moving from all parts of the country. It's not just Mississippi. It's not just the Jackson, Madison, Coast area that are moving to Startwell. It's guys from Houston, Texas, guys from Birmingham. They just want to be close to it. And the housing market is crazy right now. New restaurants are coming into town. The old restaurants are here in town. I mean, it's just.
1: And the condos and developments have just changed the look of downtown. Oh. That's what's what's amazing. There's been so much going on. I joked to my wife the other day that sometimes I wish I didn't live here so that I could get a place to come here, you know, to have a place. <laughs> I'm always jealous of my friends who come in on the weekends, you know, and kind of have their getaway. But it's a good place to do it. It's a good place to retire. Uh, but Startville, Mississippi's college town. So it's good to see. People coming back into town, getting ready for the weekend. And there's one thing we know, we're going to see a bunch of people yes. here on this Saturday.
0: It's going to be warm. It will. It'll be bad. I mean, it's, it's not going to be terrible. Three o'clock start's not great. But I'll tell you what it'll do. It'll give the restaurant crowd a lunch, then a late dinner. So you actually have yeah. you know, two different times that that you can come, and so anyway, yeah, Mississippi's college town. Well, Mike Taggart and those guys down to partnership and just the relationship that they have with the university it's kind of like everybody's pulling in the same direction right now. And, and that so,
1: hasn't always been the case. No, it hasn't. It it's hasn't. Sorrell and Mississippi State doing a great job
0: with that lately. Well, they really are. Okay, so Louisiana Tech, Skip Holtz. Wow, can you believe he has been there nine seasons, nine years? What he, he came from South Florida. He was in East Carolina. Wasn't he the head coach at UConn back in the, like, mid-90s? Yeah. I mean, he's been around for a while. Coach with his dad, of course, at South Carolina, Skip Holtz. And, and a
1: proud graduate of the University uh, of Notre Dame.
0: I thought we got rid of Notre Dame back in the spring when we beat them in baseball. Just trying to
1: rehabilitate their image around here. We
0: just annihilated Notre Dame, your, your other school, back in baseball season. So, Louisiana Tech – We'll talk to Matt Wyatt later in the show, and we'll kind of get the ins and outs of the Bulldog offensive line and about the defense and things of that nature. Charlie, one of the things that stands out to me, Mississippi State and Louisiana Tech, is how some transfers may play a big part in this. And you look at Louisiana Tech, I mean, their starting quarterback, Austin Kendall, transferring from West Virginia drawing his first start at Louisiana Tech. He was in pharmaceutical sales for about five months there before he came down to Ruston. And so it's amazing how the transfer market has changed. And he was a high-percentage thrower at West Virginia, completed over 60% of his passes. To me, when I start looking at stats, to me passing yards and completion percentage don't mean as much to me as they used to. And so you really don't know, know what you're going to see with this offense The thing you do know with Skip Holtz, and it's the same thing that Louisiana Tech people are talking about with Mississippi State, is you know you've got a good coach on the other sideline because Skip Holtz has done a remarkable job. He's done a great job at Louisiana Tech. And Mississippi State with Mike Leach, a longtime head coach. And so you know the opposing coach is going to be good. So just at 10,000 feet, what are you looking for with Louisiana Tech this weekend?
1: If you look back, a lot of people have come in and thought, Season openers are pretty easy. You've had some success with Louisiana Tech at times. But, look, there have been some competitive ball games, and, indeed, a few I would like to forget with Louisiana Tech over Oh, the years. man,
0: 2008. Yeah,
1: that's uh, that's one that was
0: really frustrating. I remember that was the first game that Greg Byrne was the athletic director. And that was the game where we, anything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Jamar Chaney – Broke his ankle on like the last play. You know, you had just gone to the bowl game in 2007, and I remember standing by Greg above that, I guess it was that north, south end zone down at uh, Louisiana Tech. And I was that, you know, I was that negative guy sitting on his shoulder, and I was always the guy who was negative. And I was like, man, 2007, that entire season wiped out right now. And I, I'll never forget that, and that, that kind of started the, the downhill fall in 2008. Of course you had the what third the goal to go, third and goal from what third in 9'3 or whatever, a few years yeah, ago, I a
1: little better memory last time you went down there. <laughs> but you, uh, you
0: when was it that Terry Bradshaw, it was
1: 1968 that Terry Bradshaw brought Louisiana Tech into Star beat Mississippi State 20 to 13.
0: Wouldn't t- didn't Terry Bradshaw say a few years ago that was his biggest win of his career?
1: Yeah, that's crazy. A guy who's won multiple Super Bowls. In the they Hall of Fame. The- and he <laughs> said, my biggest win was at Mississippi State. Mississippi State. How about that? Yeah, but you go back. Look, this is a well-coached team, and I think it's difficult to break down Louisiana Tech in many respects because when you pull up the depth chart, and we'll talk about those with Matt White a little bit too, there's something like 18 guys that have transferred by their name all on there too deep. So this is a team at running backs probably going to be starting a transfer, at quarterbacks starting a transfer, at receivers going to have transfers. Sometimes those transfer pools bring in a lot of talent, but you don't always know how it's going to fit together. So in many ways I think you've just got to say this is an unpredictable team in
0: the hands of a pretty good football coach. Well, we did win in 1988. I I do know that for a fact. We won the first game of the season against Louisiana Tech – in, oh, ninth, my gosh. in 1988. And I hate to be, I, I'll be honest with you. I hate to say this out loud because we give each other such a hard time in the office. You know, Rocky Felker has the office right across from me. And then right around the corner is coach Polk. Okay. And so their entire day is just who can say the most hateful thing to each other. Okay. The air goes out in the Brian building yesterday. And Coach Polk says, Hey, this is probably a good thing for you, Bart. You probably need to sweat off a few pounds. Okay. And so I said something back to him I probably shouldn't have said. But then you know, Rocky was talking about my weight as well. And I was like, Hey, you know, we play a lot of tech this weekend. You had a man, they hold a, a special place in your heart. He said, What do you mean? I was like, Tech and 10, baby. And he was like, That was, that was uncalled for. That was really, really uncalled for. Do you know who started that football game at quarterback for Mississippi State? I have no idea.
1: Albert Williams. Really? Remember Albert Williams? Yeah, I do. He was going to take over for Don Smith and, well.
0: Was 88 the year that we used just so many quarterbacks, or was that 87?
1: Yeah, 87, 88, you go through, what, Mike Davis, Eric Underwood, Albert
0: Williams. There's a couple more guys in there, too. We used, like, four in, like, one game, I thought. Yeah, I think that's right. Unbelievable. All right, so great show for you today. Matt Wyatt going to join us on the other side of the break. We'll – talk about mississippi state and louisiana tech on out of left field once again we're the farm bureau studios in downtown starville appreciate you guys hanging out with us for show number one of the fall out of left field And welcome back to Out of Left Field. We're live in the Farm Bureau studios in downtown Startville. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield, and joined by Matt Wyatt. And this segment brought to you by our friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. Country Pleasing. Don't take my word for it. Don't take Charlie's word for it. Don't take Matt's word for it. Try it for yourself. It's the best sausage for the grill, for the tailgating, all the different varieties, whether it be just the original, the jalapeno cheddar, the pineapple and pork, the blueberry maple, whatever you want, it's good. And so, go by and see our friends down at the Country Meat Packers on Highway 49 in Florence. And once again, this segment brought to you by Country Please and Sausage. And Matt Wyatt, who is on the Mississippi State Radio Network as a color analyst, he also has a radio show each and every day during the week, twelve to three. You can listen live online. You got Stations in Jackson. Where all are you at, Matt? Uh, you got Stations in Jackson and Batesville, and then uh, started a new podcast. Man, the podcast is really good, Matt. What bad, Better than average is the podcast, and hey, appreciate you joining us today.
2: I appreciate it, Bart. Yeah, uh, honestly, the no, I'd never, I hadn't done a podcast that was about Mississippi State football before, so I probably should have already done that. But I, I wasn't really planning on it, but then when I went back and listened to the monthly comment after we beat LSU last year when they said, hey, this is a great way to come back to SEC. And the coach, he and he went, yeah, it's better than average. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, when he said that, I thought, I've got to use that. And I don't even know what the podcast is going to be about. But since I have such a good name, I just got to do it. Once I heard that comment. So, yeah, so here we are and, you know, getting ready to kick it off. Bart, I have to. Tell you something that happened yesterday before you ask the first question. Can I do that?
0: Sure, absolutely.
2: And hey, Richard, we're just round roundtable this thing guy, too. Okay, okay. Well, a guy messaged in to my radio show. He texted me on the country pleasing text line, and it he said, "Hey, Matt, don't you just hate it when you go to a high school football game and the announcer on the PA speakers is calling out plays and it, the guy on the doing public address and he's getting on the referees and telling them they missed a the holding call um so i said i messaged back and i said are you talking about vicksburg like who are you talking about and the guy immediately in and said pater <laughs> so he had gone to the noxipater game i just thought i'd tell you that they had a pa announcer who was getting on the referees over the PA system i just thought i'd tell you that
1: we know it's Been a few years, but the officials actually warned them down in Nantawoya one time that if they didn't quit commenting that the uh, PA announcer was going to get a personal foul.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I I actually had that conversation the other day about, you know, one of my pet peeves about broadcasting high school football. And you and Charlie, we've all done a lot of high school football before, but that is my ultimate pet peeve is for someone to do the – the play-by-play over the PA, I had to do that one night at Durant. And, and Durant, at the time, that press box was big enough for three people. And it was the, the PA guy, it was me, and it was Maurice Clay who would help me do the, uh, the high school football. And we were doing Ware and Durant, and the guy did the play-by-play over the PA standing right beside me. As I'm trying to um, do the no. trying to do the radio, but hey, that's that's good times, man. And so, <laughs> hey, it's I'm just I tell you what, I wouldn't care right now. I just want to see good football. I, I don't care if you put, uh, no. I don't care if you put Jason Crowder sitting right beside me and letting him do the play by play or the PA. I, I, I don't care. I, I just want to see good football. And does Bishop Sycamore uh, count as good football? <laughs> With the initials BS, <laughs> no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, how appropriate, right? I mean, those – and here's the thing about it. Like, you kind of feel sorry for some of those players on that team. You you do. Same time, when you're playing on a team that uh, you're, you're supposed to be going to school, he said the only school they ever had is one day took them to the library. One day. Then everybody pretty much ought to know, okay, this is going to fall apart. eventually. That, that file that under for coach life comes at you fast but how does that get on tv Seriously, how does that make it on espn
1: yeah and for those who don't know what we're talking about this past weekend espn broadcast a game between img which is a powerhouse i won't say school a collection of athletes attending but, a school but yeah. it at least has a school and then a school that last year went 0-6, nobody's ever heard of. But
0: they played IMG last year. Shouldn't, IMG, really? <laughs> shouldn't IMG have said, hey, uh, just give you guys a heads up. This is what we're looking at. They said, you know, they were 0-6 last year, but this year they were supposedly had like
1: 26 D1 prospects or something like that. And <laughs> they roll out a bunch of guys who were 20, never been to school. It, it was a mess. But, yeah, it goes into you wonder how much preparation was done to get ready for that ball game. But in any event, bigger things coming up this weekend. Matt, it's finally (laughs) here. You've been out to practices, and it's interesting. Bart and I talk all the time. You hear a lot of people say, I was at practice, and, man, this guy looks great. And they're still in T-shirts. They haven't put the pads on yet. You know, pads are kind of a separator, but you've been around enough practices, you've participated in enough to kind of understand the difference between who looks good in shorts and a T-shirt and and who is actually taking a step forward. As you've been out there, where do you see this team in development compared to a year ago?
2: Well, they're definitely farther along, and they should be, right? You know, I I keep – that's one thing every time I've gone out to a practice this year and watching them, the number one thing see when you walk up is that guys uh, have made – Physical jumps. There are guys who are taller, they're bigger, their shoulders are broader, their body looks better. And you go, okay, I have to be reminded that coming into this year, the whole team had a full strength and conditioning program for a full cycle, right? Which not only last year did you not have a full cycle, that you didn't have any. I mean, they're out there lifting weights on their own back at home somewhere until they reported for practice last year. And When you then pair that piece of information with, you know, remembering that this time last year, uh, you were about to go into the year where, you know, Will Rogers straight out of high school with no spring and no summer was going to take over at quarterback, true freshman. And then two true freshman running backs this year were going to take over straight out of high school with no spring and no summer. Jaden Wally was going to become your number one target straight out of high school, true freshman, with the no spring and no summer. So last year was this thing that never happens again, but it was oddball. So then you go out to Charlie, and you look, and see Marks has put on 15 pounds. He's over 200. He looks it. Dylan Johnson has put on like 18 pounds, and he looks it. They look like SEC. Will Rogers looks guys are bigger, stronger. Your offensive line looks bigger, stronger. That's one thing that really comes out you go to practice is that these guys are so much farther along because Tyson Brown has done what he's supposed to do. All right. And then, then the other part of it is there's only so much that your coach staff can see in practice. They're just going to be more consistent. They're going to be more fun to watch. They're going to make more plays. They're going to make more yards after contact. I know other teams too have had the, you know, the off season. This is a team that went through a complete and utter philosophy change, and just didn't to really put it into motion until August of last year. I think it's just going to be a better overall.
0: Talking to Matt Wyatt and Matt, along those lines, you know, it was almost like the perfect storm last year. You had a complete different style of offense and you didn't have the spring practice. And like you said, nobody had spring practice last year, and everybody's had the spring practice this year. But just kind of getting engaged in your – I think that's why your defense was so far ahead of your offense. And so if to drill it down a little bit more as far as where this team will be better offensively, is there a certain area that you look for this team to be better this year than it was last year?
2: So, so for me, Bart, it starts – and really hinges on that offensive line, and you know, I'm a little bit. I've always kind of felt that way, you know, and in in any offense, but I'm probably a little bit uh, affected by the fact that Mike Leach said last week, you know, that collectively the offensive line, most important position on the team, and they don't have experience. That's what they don't have, and that's a big deal. Okay, but. They are they are practiced. They've got so many more reps under their belt coming into this year than they did last year. Your quarterback's older. And all that practice, all that stuff leads to they're just going to be a little more consistent. How much, we'll see. But they're going to be more consistent. They are going to be in a better position with a more experienced quarterback where when defenses give them certain looks, Will Rogers is going to check to a run play at the line of scrimmage more. When he does it, you got an offensive line group that's going to be able to execute it more. Well, when that happens a few more times a ball game, defenses are starting to adjust. They move people around, and now you get them in a position where you can throw the ball the way you want to. So just it's, it's going to just, you know, being another cycle into the offense, knowing what to do, being able to execute it a little more on the offensive line is really going to make a difference. I mean, for the offense as a whole. I think it'll really, you know, make it go. They just don't have a lot of starts under their belt, Bart. And it sounds like being pessimistic, but it's not. I'm just telling you, you know, the truth we have to understand. I was looking at this. Four of your five starting offensive linemen on Saturday have never started a game at the position they're going to start on Saturday. Okay, four out of the five. The only one who has is Charles Cross. He started 10 games last year as a left tackle. And according to NCAA eligibility, he's still a redshirt freshman. The other four, there aren't a whole lot of starts under their belts, but the ones they have started, whether it's Cameron Jones or Quentin Sharp, they started at other positions. So there, I expect there to be a learning curve on the offensive line, but I also expect them to collectively be better than they were last year.
1: One of the things that seemed to me last year, Matt, is that you have a guy who might be a left guard one day and a right tackle the next. It seems that maybe this line would benefit if we can just have some stability in terms of where they're playing and what they're being asked to do. I know a lot of times people tend to look at the offensive line and not really differentiate between the positions, not understand that the guard has a very different role than, say,
2: the tackle. Yeah, that's right. Well, and certainly what, you know, guard the center. Not, I mean, not necessarily in terms of what you do on every play call, but or in typical, let's just say, five-man pass pro. But the center's got to snap the ball, and on run plays, he'll have a little bit different responsibility than he would if he was at guard. And so, yeah, that's it, Charlie. Is, to me, those not only reps and number of snaps, but going out there and starting a ball game, Playing the whole four quarters at that particular position. You know, having done it is, uh, having done it before is a big deal.
0: And and Matt, Matt, to that point, kind of what we were talking about a minute ago about not having spring practice and not having fall practice last year, not to cut you off, I'm sorry, but along those lines, but no, but along those lines of last year, you see these guys moving around this year, but last year, the first time you really got a chance to see them, the season was here. And so moving a guy from guard to tackle or tackle (laughs) to guard, you can't do that in the middle of the season. It's almost like you're kind of set where you are because when you get into week eight, you're not going to start just fruit basket turnover with your offensive line. This is where having the spring practice that you didn't have last year and trying to get the guys in the right position, that's where it hurt again last year is you couldn't make any changes
2: mid-flight. I think you're exactly right. And and I don't know how y'all felt about it. I, y'all talked to lots of people around, you know, the program. And I made the statement, but I, I still feel that this is true. It's not like they just, as a staff, were just totally throwing away last year. It's not what they were doing. But I just felt like a lot of the, the work and decisions and playing time and calls and everything from last year, it wasn't about 2020. It was more about 2021 and beyond, if that makes sense, right? For that, that's one of the reasons that you're mentioning right there, Bart, is, you know, you're in the middle of your first fall, but it's really your first chance to watch some of these offensive linemen play. And you're in the process of trying to figure out what they can do. Just like last year, you know, they're playing Cameron Jones at right tackle a whole bunch. Uh, I think he played in what eight games or something might have started four or so at right tackle well, after a full off season of work, a spring evaluation period summer turns out he's your left guard see and and they didn't have a chance to figure that out last year, so that's to your point that's exactly right that maybe if nothing else, guys are just in positions that they're better suited for now,
0: no doubt. Matt, will you hang with us through the break and talk a little bit about the Bulldog defense? Let's do it. All right, Matt Wyatt on the other side of the break. Of course, this segment brought to you by our friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. Country Pleasing is the best there possibly can be for your tailgate this weekend. If you're headed to start, well, you got the grill. Whether it be charcoal, yeah, it's got to be charcoal. You're not going to put the gas. Do people put gas on campus, Charlie? Can you put gas on your campus? I have no information. Okay, Charlie has no information. So, no matter what kind of grill you're using, bring the country please because that's what all the people in your tailgate want. So, we'll talk to Matt Wyatt on the other side of the break. You're listening to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. Welcome back to Out of Left Field. We're live in the Farm Bureau Studios in downtown Starkville. Bart Gregory, Charlie Winfield. We're talking to the color analyst for the Mississippi State Radio Network. He also has the radio show each and every day across the state, 12 to 3, the Matt Wyatt Show. And then Better Than Average, his new podcast, check it out. It comes out on Monday then comes out on Thursday, so you can catch it tomorrow, That I guess that pregame Ritual that he'll go through tomorrow to get you ready for this weekend. The Charlie and I'll be back for Out of Left Field show. We'll do a Friday podcast to have a little pregame pod for you for your drive into campus on Saturday. And this conversation, this segment, brought to you by our friends at Tracks Plus. Tracks Plus, Chris Weems and the gang. If you're looking for barco equipment, the forestry equipment, if you're looking to get a bunch of logs out, if you're in the forestry industry, the barco equipment is fantastic. If you're in the construction world, the sany equipment. If you need a bulldozer, if you need an excavator, if you need a mini excavator, They do it right, great prices, great customer service. That's Trax Plus. They're on I-20 at the Hickory exit between Meridian and Jackson. And then also another location now, a new location, between Starville and Columbus on Highway 82. So check them out, Trax Plus. And we're talking to Matt Wyatt. And, Matt, we talked about the offensive line a moment ago. Let's flip the page and look at the defense right now. And, you know, one of the big storylines in fall practice was – an injury. You hate to start it with a negative, but Jordan Davis, who was so good at the end of last year, was having a great off season. What does that injury do to your defense in that front line?
2: Well, yeah, it certainly moves some guys up. You know, you hate to say it, but if if we're just being practical, uh, what do y'all think? You know, if a guy like Jordan Davis was going to go out this year, and he's a, we forget sometimes, but he was a former four star people that believe in the stars. I mean, he's a former four-star guy coming out of JUCO. So let's just say he was going to go out there and get you uh, four or five sacks this year, seven or eight tackles for logs. Well, where does that production come from now? Now who's going to do it? You know, the whole next man up thing means that everybody gets shuffled up and the people who get shuffled up into taking snaps better make good on them when they're in the ballgame. It means Demonte Russell, who has loads of potential, who to me looks like the, you know, looking at him at practice, the weight room has been really good for him uh, in this whole cycle. It means like a guy like Randy Charlton probably does play a few more snaps, you know? Uh, so if that's a case, whoever steps up has got to play. I mean, um, so are they capable? Sure. Does it, put you on a you know, give you a little uneasy feeling that you have to go forward without that player? Yeah, absolutely. But I don't know if that's necessarily different than, than any other year. But the good news is that they were not short on talent and ability and, and depth in that defensive front. You hate to lose him, thank goodness there's some guys there.
1: Well speaking of places you can't afford to lose somebody all the talk seems to be that that's at the cornerback position for Mississippi State. Everybody feels really good about Emerson and Forbes on those corners, but the depth has been a little bit in question. As you look at the Bulldogs secondary, do you think that perception is accurate and kind of how do you see that group as compared to a year ago?
2: I think it's a good group. I think it's I think the depth there is you know they're probably a little more ready To help you than some people realize. Now there's some context there, Charlie. Here's the number one thing I would say to people talking about corner: is first of all, there aren't that many teams in college football ever, frankly, who if their number one and number two corners were to go down, that they feel really good about playing their third and fourth. (laughs) Okay, like that's not. I was talking about that early on with some state people and they were kind of getting into the conversation about, you know, third string. He's like, well, if your first stringers get hurt and now you're playing your number twos, that means you're a snap or two away from your threes. And I'm like, well, find me a time in your history you've been real comfortable with your fifth corner going out of the <laughs> ball game." Yeah. Like, it's pretty that, tough. I mean, it ain't ever happened, right? So the only people who feel – even Alabama – doesn't want to have to put their number five out there. Okay, fine. I'll I'll, I'll give you that. So what I look at is you don't have another Martin Emerson on your team. You got one of them, and it's him. You probably don't have another Emmanuel Forbes right now on your team. That's how important they are. If you were to line up the top five guys that can't afford to get hurt for you this year, for me, I'm probably going Will Rogers and, and Charles Cross in there. And two more of those top five are those two corners, sure. The thing is, though, people do need to understand that the Cameron Richardson is long. He's got upside. He has practiced well. And he's going to play some, and he's going to make some plays. The only thing he needs is experience. He's going to be a good player for you. I like him. Coaches like him. And Furge, who played a bunch of snaps for you last year, and sure, he gave up some plays man, that kid works his tail off. He practices really hard, and he's just gotten better and better. The thing he doesn't have is the length. You know, he's a smaller corner, but but he, he's a guy who is eager and who gives it everything and has really improved. He has. So I think uh, I don't feel quite as bad about the depth at corner as some people do, to be honest with you
0: talking to Matt Wyatt. Matt, one of the things we haven't talked about, and I was just looking in the secondary, and so much has been made about Randy Charlton coming in, the transfer from Central Florida, but one of the big transfers is Jalen Green coming in from Texas. He's a senior, a guy that you know, has been around a college program for a while now. And it's real, it's real interesting times now that we live in, you know, for so many years. And, you know, even back when you played, and that was when Jackie Sherrill was really taking advantage of junior college football. And you had all those defensive linemen coming in. And you could kind of plug and play with junior college guys. And in today's world, it's almost like a plug and play with the transfer portal. And so you look at a couple of guys starting on the defensive side with Charlton and then at your strong safety with Jalen Green. And then on the offensive side, you look at Makai Polk and you look at the wide receiver Jameer Calvin from Washington State. It's amazing how you can plug gaps in today's world. You don't want to get too many. I mean that's the thing. you, you mm-hmm. don't you don't want you want to mix and match well. But it's almost like two on the offense, two on the defense, and that's
2: a pretty good number. I agree with you. You know, it's really, Bart, I guess all about how a coaching staff uses that portal to their advantage. You know, nobody likes you for you to bring up quotes from past coaches, but I thought this was a good one from Moorhead when he said, you know, the portal giveth and the portal taketh away. I mean, it's true, and that's kind of for everybody. And I think this staff did a heck of a job, right, because one – is there's some history there with the coaching staff and Jalen green. So they know each other, you know, because, um, you know, you had a coach there at Texas who knows who he is. Now he's on your staff. You bring him in. And what I really like about it is the fit because green was a corner at Texas. He was a lot of times he was a boundary corner at Texas, which put him up near the line of scrimmage playing some bump man. And, involved in zone but at times having to cover guys in the red zone one-on-one playing corner the speed and the athleticism is there to be a corner at a place like texas well one of the issues you had last year on that defense is you, you needed a little more cover ability at safety go watch the georgia game right where you hold them to under 10 yards rushing you're just pounding them at the line of scrimmage but what got you beat was big throws down the field over the head of your safeties. You just need a guy back there who can cover. So it's a really good fit, considering what some of your issue was last year on defense. Um, and Charlton, and now you look, you know, he's right there where you've had an injury. Yeah, so you plug in some gaps. But I think you're right, Bart. You don't want too much of it because then you're like, you know, how how is this chemistry going to work? I'll tell you this, La Tech has had a lot of transfers. If you looked at the number of transfers that they've got on their roster, man, they brought a bunch of them in. And so I wonder how that's going to work for them right out of the gates.
0: Yeah, they got a starting quarterback. That guy's going to start out here Saturday. Was in pharmaceutical sales a few months ago. And so, I mean, yeah. and so not only did he make a transfer, he made a career change.
1: Well, that's like you know, South Carolina starting a graduate assistant at quarterback this week. So <laughs> exactly. That's just incredible. Had to go to Bishop Sycamore and get <laughs> some guys. Um, Matt, I'm always interested game one when the depth chart comes out because it seemed like when Jackie was coaching. That I could go to the website, I could pull up that depth chart, and that was going to be fairly much, you know, what your depth chart was going to be. I'm always intrigued with Mike Leach, an or. you know. you, you got, and we've yeah. seen the oars before, but there's a number of oars on the depth chart, and it, it kind of makes you laugh at the depth chart idea a little bit when you see an or at your starting quarterback position. We all know who your starting quarterback is going to be this weekend barring something just fantastical. But you you go and you look. As you look at this depth chart, it seems like this year there's a better mix, perhaps in the past, of some juniors and seniors in this mix and kind of some of those freshmen slotting in at line two. What what did you take from the depth chart as you looked
2: at it? Yeah, number one, it's, it's more of a uh, – it's more of a what the or for quarterback is more of a motivational thing as anything else and just a kind of setting a precedent for this quarterback battle but any others going forward under Mike Leach is that you haven't earned the starting quarterback job until the day of the game when we decide you have earned. <laughs> like you better practice well on Wednesday and then in the walkthrough on Thursday. And you better do a good job in our meetings at the hotel on Friday. I I, I kinda get it. You know, it is what it is sort of thing right there, but we know that Will's going to play for you. The other stuff about the depth chart, you know, some people look at receiver positions and go, oh, well, holy cow, this guy's starting and this guy's his backup. And, and what does this mean? I mean, Austin Williams and Jaden Wally are the same position. They're both the Y and they list, you know, Austin Williams. Does this mean that Austin Williams is going to start over Wally? I mean, and to me, I kind of roll my eyes at it because I'm going, look, they're going to play eight receivers minimum, and they're going to rotate them in there as fast as they can and as often as they can. And, yeah, there will be some matchup stuff too.
1: It's almost more of an honor, isn't it, just to be named the yeah. starter at wide out as opposed to anything substantive?
2: I think that's right. Yeah, I mean, because if you're going to do a depth chart, I guess you've got to put somebody number one, and you got to put somebody right there behind him, or at least say or. Right. Well, heck, they're all going to play a lot and, and they're all going to catch passes a lot. Um, so, yeah, I, that's the, kind of the way I looked at it. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, the other thing was, you know, some of the depth can, can give you, um, you know, an idea of who's done what in camp. You look at some of the depth positions on the offensive line, uh, Nick Jones, To me, the offensive tackle, he's listed as a backup at one of the tackle spots, and I thought he had a really good fall camp and not surprised at all to see that he's going to be one of their top guys they go to when they get into their depth on the offensive line. You know, um, I tell you, you know, I was looking at linebacker, too. You go to all the scrimmages, and Rodney Gross, just he pops up all over the place. Man, that dude flies around and hits people, and knocks the ball out, and he's physical. He's fast. He knocked his own defensive teammate out on a goal line play, uh, going for an interception in one of the scrimmages. And he's just a bull in a china shop. And then you look, and he's listed in the depth, but he's actually an OR listed there with Sherman Timms. Okay, so you know, and you go, well, gosh, is he that far removed? Well, it's that's a position too, Charlie, that you go depending on matchups, yes, who you're playing, number one. But just with the rotation of the defense, you're going to see Tim's in there and you're going to see Gross in there and they're going to rotate them through like a like a Ferris wheel. It's just they're all going to play. So you have to be careful about getting all caught up in the depth chart.
0: Hey, Matt, we enjoyed it, man. Look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Can't wait to – here you're better than average tomorrow. I'll take all that information and uh, regurgitate it on the pregame show on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Doing our homework, hey, for us. so we need you to go in depth. We need you to get inside <laughs> the numbers tomorrow.
2: Okay, inside the numbers. Well, i <laughs> you know I'm picking. What's that movie in that line, Bart? I'm picking up your sarcasm. Well, I should hope so because I'm <laughs> laying it on pretty thick. Now, I, I, as my dad would say, if your best ain't good enough, somebody's asking too much. So I'll just do my best. How about
0: that? That's right. That's right. Matt Wyatt joining us. Matt, we'll see you on Saturday. All right, boys. Thank you. Thank you. And that's Matt Wyatt in that conversation brought to you by our friends at Tracks Plus, Tracks Plus, two locations, one between Columbus and Startwell on Highway 82, the other on I-20 at the Hickory exit, Tracks Plus. They've got the great forestry equipment, anything you can need, a skidder, whatever you need in the forestry world and then also in the construction world if you need an excavator if you need a bulldozer whatever tracks plus go check them out online call chris weems he is the guy at tracks plus and uh, tell chris that bart and charlie sent you he'll probably charge you double so charlie and i'll come back with a final word you're listening to out of left field And welcome back to Out Left Field. We're in the Farm Bureau Studios in downtown Starkville. Bart Gregory, Charlie Winfield. Good stuff from Matt Wyatt's. Oh, Matt, kind of getting into the depth chart, talking a little bit about the offensive line, a little bit on the defensive side as well. You know, you brought up a good point, Charlie, about how, you know, we get so lost sometimes in quarterback stats and wide receiver stats, but man, I tell you what, it's all about that offensive line.
1: It goes back to one of the things I kept hearing about Mississippi State last year. You didn't push it down the field. You didn't throw it down the field enough. You didn't complete enough passes. Why aren't our receivers making double moves? Double moves. (laughs) They They don't don't have time time to make one move. Single moves. Let's start with one before we get to two. And so you go back and you look. And Mason Miller, that group, really had to piece things together last year. You had guys moving all up and down the line. You had – just a lot of issues that couldn't be sorted out on the fly, you hope that this year we're going to have more stability and be a better group. Still young. It's still inexperienced. We played a lot of guys last year, and even though they didn't necessarily have that many starts at the position, they've at least put the pads on. They've at least been out there. So you hope that that opens up your passing game a little bit, and if you open up your passing game, one of the big things that jumped out to me, Bard, our running backs last year had – like 1.9 yards on average before contact, one of the lowest in the league.
0: That's asking a lot out of a running back, and I know you're looking for yards after contact, Yak, but that's uh, that's asking too much. And in today's world of, of college football, and I think that's one of the things you're going to see with this team. I think you're going to see just with offensive linemen understanding. And this is this offensive line, the style are big guys pass protection and they're not driving off the ball. It's not the old Denver Broncos. Remember when the Denver Broncos had that small offensive line under John Elway and they and they won the world championships. Those guys were, you know, two seventy, but they got off the ball and made room for who was it, Terrell Davis? Terrell Davis? Wasn't Terrell yeah, Davis a running back? And so but but then you have the different style of lineman who's pretty much working off your heels. Of, of dropping back. So this is not that drive style that's going to open up the huge holes for the running backs. But it's not. But what you hope they can do is use
1: some leverage in terms of particularly if you see teams that are only going to bring three, got to do a better job of getting your running back some space. Yes. Somewhere. Think about this. Dylan Johnson last year was second in the league in yards after contact. But you'll find him nowhere near the top of the rushing list. And so what does that tell you? They were earning everything they got. You get a little bit of help. And maybe there's some improvement there. 80%
0: of his yards were yards after contact. (laughs) That's right.
1: (laughs) So that actually brings up something, Bart. Here's what I want to do. You're sometimes the half-empty guy. Why uh, What? Let's use this final few minutes to talk about this. I want you to give me some reasons that I should be encouraged about this football season?
0: Well, the reason you should be encouraged, I think the offensive line is going to be better. I I think it's going to be better, and we talked to Matt about that a minute ago. You've got a quarterback that's been in the the system now for over a year now. Here's two. You've got Jameer Calvin, who's a wide receiver, who played at Washington State, who's been in this offense and understands this offense. You have a Makai Polk, who's a transfer from, from Cal. You're giving depth to your wide receiver position. And so you're going to play eight, nine deep in that receiving core. I just think this team is going to be on the same page more. When you look at last year's offensive style, everything, everything was within five yards from the line of scrimmage. And so I think this year you got some guys like a Makai Polk on the outside of Malik Heath. I think stretching things down the field is going to open up that interior passing game a little bit. I think the defense is going to be good as well. I mean, especially when you start looking at the ones, and we talked about this on our show on Sunday Coffee a few weeks ago, is I think the defense, the ones, has a chance to be really good. And at times last year, our defense was pretty good. So I think the pieces are there to be a lot better football team.
1: I think that they are. There are some things you would like to see improve, obviously. But you hope some of that's going to improve just by having guys back who've been around. You go back and you look last year. I think it was 26 guys got their first start last year. Those guys are coming back. You had a running ton of freshmen. 76% of your touchdowns last year were by
0: freshmen. 76% by freshmen. Yeah. I mean, you got nowhere to go but up. And so everybody's a year older. And, and you've got some transfers in here like we talked about. Who you know, You've know you got Makai Polk, who's a junior. You've got Jameer Calvin, who's a graduate transfer. I mean, you've, you've got an Austin Williams who's been around the program for 19 years now. And I
1: still believe that you're going to see improved quarterback play this year, and I think you're going to see it for a couple of reasons. Number one, if you look in November last year, Will Rogers was one of the best quarterbacks in college football in terms of being efficient. He didn't throw interceptions. He protected the football. That's what's called for in this offense. But by any fair measure, Will Rogers shouldn't have been playing last year. No. That was never the design. So, for anybody to think that's the cap on who he is, I mean, he should have been handing out water and holding a clipboard last year you know, you, with the baseball hat on.
0: Oh, yeah. Are you proud of me? You said, hey, positives, negatives. I came out with a positive. Aren't you proud of me? I'm, I'm getting better. I mean, that's that's well, that's, you had to be asked to do it. Well, it didn't come naturally, exactly. And so, what you want the negative now, or is that what you want? Okay, go ahead. You're dying to do it. No, uh, the the negative is is this team has a lot of room for improvement. Because if you go back and you, <laughs> the if, good news is everybody's back. The bad news well, is no, where did you go to year? Well, again. no, that, that's I mean, if if you're looking at anything to kind of to tamp it down, and I'm not trying to do that at all, is even in. At the end of the year last year, this team had a lot of room for improvement. We were not a very good football team at all, and we got a little bit better as the season went on. But there, there was still a big gap. There, there was a big gap between us and say an Auburn. There was a big gap between us and A and M. Uh, there wasn't much of a gap between us and Ole Miss, and I would have loved to play that game full strength. And that's the thing about this year that's different. We went to some games last year, Charlie, where we were dressing out. What, 50? Yeah. I mean, and you were playing guys. I mean, and that was the COVID issues, and you had opt-outs. You had just so many different things going on. And so we were playing very, very bone dry last year at the end. So that's why I feel better about it is you got a full compliment.
1: All right, the one word of caution that I will give, and this is not pessimism at all, I think sometimes – in a season, particularly at the beginning, we have all this optimism that builds up over the summer. You expect too much too fast. This team is not going to come out and look like the 49ers of the 80s. Okay, this is going to be a team that's going to have some three and outs. It's going to struggle because that's what teams do in opening yep. weeks. And so I think you got to be prepared for it. But I think long term we have a chance to be better across the board
0: no doubt hey this flew by quick show today my goodness uh, so thanks to Matt Wyatt for joining us and of course uh, thanks to our friends at Farm Bureau Farm Bureau go with the home team check them out at favorates.com they have agents in every county all 82 counties in the state of Mississippi have a local Farm Bureau agent and so go by and see our fine friends at Farm Bureau check them out at com and go with the home team so Charlie and I'll be back on Friday on a podcast version, we'll have a kind of a, a pregame podcast for you on Friday, breaking down all the stats and everything, getting you ready. for Mississippi State, Louisiana Tech will also be back on Sunday for Sunday Coffee to break down the Bulldogs' first game. If you haven't had a chance to go back and listen to some of our Sunday Coffees, go back and, and take a, a peek back. We talked to Will Rogers, the Bulldogs' starting quarterback, this past Sunday. We've had conversations with Roy Oswalk. We even talked about the NIL a few weeks ago. Brad Peterson joined us. And so... So, Three shows during the fall for us, the Out of Left Field here on Wednesday nights, and then you've got Friday and Sunday on the podcast side. And so for Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on Out of Left Field.